to wrap up a series that I've been calling the Corner Post Christian Life. The Corner Post Christian Life. You know, cowboying is a great thing. Ranching is a great thing. You know, working cattle is a great thing. All those things are great. But building fence, not so great. Can I get an amen? Not so great. You gotta have fencing supplies, all that stuff costs money. I mean, you gotta have wire, you gotta have stretchers, you gotta have tamping tools, you gotta have line posts, post hole diggers, augers, tractors, all that kind of stuff. But the most important part of a fence is what? The corner post, right? This is a corner post made out of a highline wire or a highline post, but this is what you call a corner post. I mean, it's the tallest post. I mean, you might have some line posts, and they're like three inches, you know, round. This is probably six, maybe eight inches round. I mean, it's twice as tall. This sucker is what makes the difference in a fence. When you bury a corner post, you want to bury at least a third deep. I mean, you got to dig down. You got to get down in the ground. So that that corner post can be effective. If you don't plant the corner post or set the corner post deep, guess what happens? Everything folds, right? None of you guys are going to admit that you have a corner post pulling out of the ground. Because again, you like to leave me hanging. But there are corner posts that I've seen, and some of them maybe that I've even put in the ground, that are pulling up. You know why? Because they weren't deep enough in the ground. Well, the same is true for us as Christians. The first part that we looked at in this corner post Christian life was the essential of faith. Faith is what's in the ground. Right? Remember the, the Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1? It's, it's being sure, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. What's most important in our faith is what's in the ground. It's what you don't see. That's what the faith, the tr true faith really is. Faith is also... Uh, a corner post Christian faith is not circumstantial. What do we want to do sometimes when our faith is stretched? When, when God says, hey, I want you to go witness to your friend, your neighbor. I want you to go serve in the church. What do we want to do? We want to grab the chainsaw. And we want to grab the chainsaw and go, and then we just want to put our post down in the ground about a foot so that we don't have to dig any deeper because it's too hard. Faith is not circumstantial. It's not based on your circumstances. It's not based on what you're asked by God to do. It is faith. It is true faith that believes in Him. And we've got to put our faith in Jesus. That's another, the third point of, of that, that message. Um, corner post faith is found only in Jesus Christ. The second essential that we looked at was hope. And let me give you a definition for hope because I think the world belittles hope in their definition. Biblical hope is this. It is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. It's a confident expectation. It's being sure of what we hope for. Sure of what we hope for. Right, hope is what rises out of the ground. Check this out. Those of you that weren't here, you can listen to all these sermons online on their website, thousandhillsregister.com. Faith is what's in the ground. Hope is what rises out of our faith. You ain't got no faith, you're probably not going to have any hope. Hope is what rises out of our faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, hope hope is not just, uh, not just something that we wish for. It's not just finger crossing or, you know, favorite, you know, what rabbit's foot kind of hope. It's faith 
in Jesus Christ. And here's the cool thing about our, our hope. Our hope isn't dependent only on our faith in Him, but His faithfulness to us. Did you hear that? I mean, every time I say that, I think, that is outstanding. Um, and I, I, I want to stop right there. Faith is, or our hope is not only based on our faith in Him, but His faithfulness to us. That's where I get my hope. You know why? Because my faith is going to wane sometimes. My faith isn't going to be deep enough sometimes. But His faithfulness is always deep enough. It's always strong enough. He is always faithful to me. Amen? Is it faithful to you? Amen. He is. So hope is what writes out of the ground. Quantipost Christians have hope in this world. Remember? We have hope in this world, and we have hope in the, the world to come. We can't, you, some of you guys are hopeless right now, and you're thinking, I don't have any hope. Is your faith planted in Jesus Christ? Then you can have hope in this world and in the world to come. Well, today I want to wrap up this series, and I want to look at the third essential for the corner post Christian life. The corner post Christian life. If you'll turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you have your Bibles. How many of you guys have a, a, um, a red Bible? Anybody got a red Bible? A red one? <laughs> all of you should have lifted your Bibles because all of you should read your Bible. A red Bible? Some of you guys get that. Hey. <laughs> I wasn't talking about the color. I was talking about reading, reading your Bible. Anyways, all right. Now I'm, now I'm past my... my Sorry, Joe. I got that one out of the way. I don't got another one coming, so just be ready. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13, says this. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there is prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. But then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, and then I will fully, I, I, will, I shall know, know fully, even as I am fully known. And then verse 13. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. Let's pray together. 
Lord, I thank you for the hope that we can have in you today. I thank you for your faithfulness to us. But Lord, today, may we learn the greatest thing. And may we live it out. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. The third essential for the corner post Christian life is love. Did you get it? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. Say it to me. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now you might be thinking, well, man, today's going to be a great sermon. Both going to talk about love. It's going to be all warm and fuzzy. And we're just going to frolic together. Now, I wish that was true, because here's the truth about these verses. For me, these verses are a slap in the face. They're a slap in the face. And maybe you'll figure that out as we go. Listen to this. The, 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 what, do, what does the corner post Christian need to know about love? Here's number one. You're writing it down. You keeping notes in your phone. I mean, some of you guys, again, you're using the excuse, I don't have anything to write on. You got a phone? You can take notes in your phone, right? Uh, and no texting. This is an excuse for texting, teenagers. Right? Okay. Number one, what does the corner post Christian need to know about love? Number one is this. Corner post Christians stretch wire. Corner post Christians stretch wire. Here's the truth about the corner post. I can have a great corner post. I can set this sucker, put an H brace. I mean, I can... Dead man or whatever you call that stuff, I can do all I need to do for a quarter to set it strong. It can be pipe, it can be a, a wooden post, it can be rock wrapped in wire. But if I don't stretch any wire, the corner post is useless. So you say, well, what is love? I mean, if the corner post faith is what's in the ground, and the corner post you know, if the corner post uh, hope is what's above the ground, then what is love? Love is the wire. Love is what stretches out from our faith and from our hope. Love is what extends out of our faith and our hope in Jesus Christ. Love is the wire. Love is the wire. It, it, love is what stretches from our, our faith to a world that needs to know what true love looks like. Here's, here's the truth about, about love. We can have faith. We can have hope. But if we don't have love, listen, our faith and our hope lose their usefulness. Just like that corner post. If I sit it in the ground and I don't do anything with it, I don't stretch any wire, I don't run anything off of it, it's useless. It's useless. Listen to verse 2 and 3 of 1 Corinthians 13. It says, If I have the gift of prophecy, and if I can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. We gain nothing. How many of you guys have ever heard of the phrase, 
You are so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Anybody heard that before? You're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. How many of you guys are willing to admit that at some point in your life, your Christian walk, that you've been so heavenly minded that you were no earthly good? Anybody? A few? Yeah? Here's the truth. Let, let me give you an example uh, of what this looks like. We can get so easily caught up in our worship of God. Let me, let me explain that. I've been in a lot of churches in my life. I, I, I like to go to other churches. I like to hear the, you know, the music. I like to, to feel the energy that's in the church. I like to see what's going on in the church, whether it's dead or whether it's live. And here's what I see a lot of times when I walk into churches. And they don't know me from Adam. They don't know I'm a preacher. They don't know that I'm a Christian. They don't know me at all. And I walk into the church, and, and, and it's so fun. I like walking into other people's churches because I'm, like, examining, critiquing. They're like, who's this psycho that just walked in? Somebody get an elder, you know? Um, but I walk, in, I walk into some churches, and, and, and here's the truth. And I'm not down in all churches. Not all churches are like this. But they're more worried about worship that they don't even notice me. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, it's not true for all churches, but sometimes I walk into a church, and they walk in, oh, let's get to Sunday school. Come on, kids. And they, oh, let's, let's get our worship on today. And they're more worried about worshiping God. And they're more worried about, hey, you know, uh, let's worship. I worship you. I worship you. Oh, you're back there. Well, have fun today. Well, I worship you. I worship you. Listen. It's, it's not just about worship. We sometimes we can be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. You say, are we supposed to worship God? Absolutely. Absolutely. We are called to worship God. But listen, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, guess what? You're going to get to worship Him for the rest of eternity. Let's do something while we're here. Without love... We are nothing, and we gain nothing. You say, what else, though? We become so focused on serving the church that we don't serve the world. Let me, let me again, I, I, I'm talking to myself here. We, we, we love to serve maybe our, our Christian friends. We love to, to show up to haul their stuff to their new home, but we're afraid to show up and haul somebody else's stuff that doesn't come to our church. Here's what we did in every purpose statement of every team that we have. You know the one word we included in every purpose statement that we have for every team? You know what the word is? Unchurched. You know why our purpose statement is Thousand Hills Ranch Church exists? To reach, or to, to reach the unchurched Western culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ by tearing down religious barriers and building authentic relationships? It's all about the unchurched. And you say, well, I, I got, why do you always say that? Why do you always say it's all about the unchurched? And honestly, it, it really isn't, maybe, because we still have to serve one another, right? We still have to love one another in the church. But here's what I find that happens. If we don't make our focus on those outside the world, then we will only serve ourselves. So we can get so wrapped up in serving ourselves and that we're no earthly good. 
Um, another one is this. We can become so passionately, uh, so passionate about knowledge of the Word of God. Here's what I know about the Word of God that we lose sight on applying the Word of God. Right? Think about it. I mean, we can get puffed up. I mean, the Bible even teaches, you know, knowledge sometimes can puff us up. And I, I know all kinds of stuff. I mean, the Word, I understand it all, man. You ask me a question, I'll answer it. Do we find a book about it? I'll find it. But we don't apply what we know. How many of you guys have been Christians for more than 10 years? How many of you guys have been Christians more than 20 years? Everybody's turning gray now. How many of you guys have been Christians more than 30 years? Yeah. I'm stopping right there. Listen. You can have all the knowledge. You can go to all the Sunday school classes. You can go to the Wednesday night Bible study. You can have all that knowledge. But if you're not applying it, if you're not reaching people with it, it's, it's nothing. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. In these chapters, Paul says, we can have all these gifts. Did you see all the gifts? I mean, we can have the gift of tongues, the gift of prophecy. We can have faith that moves mountains. We can even give all we want to the poor. But if we don't show others love, we are worthless to God on this earth. We are worthless to God on this earth. You know what? He should just kill us and take us home because he doesn't have any use for us on earth. You know the other fact about it is, and this is where it's a slap in my face, the other fact is, is this. We're just annoying. We're just annoying. Look at verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 13. But if we have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Churches look like we have. Is that a noise? Listen, that's what we that's what we sound like to the world. You know why? Because we don't show love. You know why I know that? Because I've been the resounding gong and the clanging cymbal. And all I cared about was get him to Jesus, get him to Jesus, get him to Jesus. But they're hungry. Give them to Jesus. Give them to Jesus. But they're going through a divorce and they don't know how to handle it. Their kids are twisting off. And all I want to do is give them to Jesus. Give them to Jesus. Give them to church. If I can get them to church, that'll solve everything. It doesn't solve anything. Does Jesus solve everything? Absolutely. But I have to show them love so that they can come to Jesus. We're only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. Love is the wire. Love is what extends and stretches out of our faith and our hope. Here's number two. Corner post Christians know that love is the greatest. They know that love's the greatest. They know it. 
It's not only about their faith. It's not only about their hope. It's about love. And we don't lose sight of the greatest thing, which is love. Look at verse 13 again. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And you say, well, who am I supposed to love? Well, when it comes to how we treat people, we are to start with those inside the church. When it comes to how we treat those inside the church, love is the greatest. You say, how am I supposed to treat that person that, that, got, that offended me? How am, I, how am I supposed to treat that person that, that, that looked at me wrong? I'm not coming back to church because that girl looked at me wrong. She offended me. Corner post Christians know that love is the greatest. You look at John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. It says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know the greatest example that we can set for the world out there is to love one another. If we don't love each other, nobody wants to come to our church. And you say, how do we stop that? I hate that. I hate it when people don't love each other at church. Listen, it is going to happen. I can try to try to try to not let it happen, but guess what? It's going to happen. You know what my job is? It's to protect you. It's to protect you. You know what the elder's job is? It's to protect you. I can't stop it all, but I can stop some of it. And that's what I'm going to do. We're to love each other. You say, well, okay, but I know it's just to love the church, but what about, um, but let, me, let me just say this. You, you may ask, well, how do, I, how do I love the church? Look at verses 4 through 7. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. My question to you, is this what your your love looks like for those that are sitting in this room? This is how we're to love each other. Corner post Christians are to love one another. But here's the other side of it. You say, what about when it comes to how we treat our enemies? Dang it. I had to go there. How do we treat our enemies? Anybody got an enemy? Oh, those of you that didn't raise your hand, you're a bunch of liars. Man, we're full of liars in this church. Let me ask that again. How many of you guys have an enemy? Anybody got an enemy? Yeah, yeah. When it comes to loving our enemies, love, or how to treat our enemies, love is the greatest. You want to disarm your enemy? Love them. <laughs> I'm just telling you, there's been some enemies of mine that I wanted to beat their face in. Can I just be honest? Is that a preacher? I mean, did I say that out loud? I'm just serious. I mean, that's the wrestler coming out of me. Let's get it on. Let's go toe-to-toe. I'll take you out back. 
and kick the living snot out of you. That's what I want to do. But here's the truth. Love is the greatest. Listen to Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. It says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Dang it. Why? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that? Listen, as corner post Christians, we are to go beyond those that love us and love our enemy. Love our enemy. You say, how do I love my enemy? Can I go back? And it's on the screen. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Anybody that step on your toe? It doesn't keep records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. How do I love my enemy? There's the definition. How hard is it to do that? Very, very hard. But by loving and praying for our enemies, we can overcome evil with good. We can potentially win them to Christ. And we can be obedient to God. That's what it means to uh, love our enemies. And let me clarify something. Because I, I, I see this a lot. Showing love doesn't mean that we don't take a, a stand against what's right or against sin. Did you hear that? Showing love doesn't mean that we don't take a stand against sin in people's lives. A lot of sissy preachers just want to preach, love everybody. Just love them all. I mean, let's just love everybody. I mean, it doesn't matter what you're going through. We love you. Listen, here's the truth. We are not good. We are born evil. I am evil. And I need someone to say, Bo, you're living in sin and you need to get right. That's a true friend. And so listen, just because we want to show love, which love is the greatest, it doesn't mean that we condone sin. It doesn't mean that I preach feel-good messages that just tickle people's ears and they walk out going, woohoo, that was great. No, sometimes you need to walk out and I need to walk out going, dang, I need forgiveness. And can I just say this about your enemies? It's not what you say, it's how you say it that makes it wrong. Listen, I can go and stand in the Capitol building with a foghorn and, you know, one of those loud speakers yelling at the top of my lungs, you're wrong, you're wrong, with hate in my heart. But that doesn't show anybody anything. If I go to them with love and I say, here, are you hungry? Let me feed you. If I go to them and say, what are your needs? Can I serve you? That's 
That's what speaks the most to them. It's not what I say, it's how I say it that makes all the difference. And we're called to speak the truth in love. And here's the other truth of that. You still may be hated by your enemies. (laughs) They still may hate your guts. But at least you're speaking the truth to them in love. You say, how do I do that? I mean, I got some sorry friends who are nothing no good. They do all kinds of crappy stuff. They're living in sin. How do I how do I always make sure that they know I love them? Always leave the door open. Never slam the door in anybody's face that you think needs to needs hope. I can tell this person, hey, you're wrong, but I love you anyways. And if you ever need to talk, my door's wide open. That's what they want to know. You know why? I have some cowboy friends that they do all kinds of stuff wrong. I mean, the F word is their favorite word. And you know what? If I just sit there and chew and chew and chew and chew, you're sorry. You need to get right. You need to do this. And that doesn't do nothing for them. But if I open my door to them and I say, come to my house, let's have a steak. They're going to go, dang. I mean, this this is a preacher? I mean, and it's kind of weird for the preacher to do that because I'm a preacher. But but for you, I mean, it may be more normal. You may have more of an opportunity to witness to someone because you're opening your door to the unchurched. Again, what good is it for me to invite all my Christian friends to my house and have a steak? I'll do it. And we do it all the time. But if my house isn't full of some unchristian, unchurched people, then it's nothing. I gain nothing. Here's the third reason. The third thing that a corner post Christian needs to know about love. Number three, and I'm done. You ready? Corner post Christian love is very costly. It's very costly. And yeah, I those of you that built fence, you realize that it costs a lot of money. It depends on how, what kind of fence you're building, but all fencing materials cost money. T-posts are like, well, I don't know how, I haven't bought T-posts in a while. Three fifty, four dollars a piece, five, something like that. You know, a roll of water, like I just looked it up. I mean, that's sixty to a hundred dollars. I mean, that's only a quarter of a mile. I mean, you buy a post this big, and it's going to cost you, I don't know how many dollars, ten, twelve dollars. I don't, I don't know how many. You buy some pipe right now. I mean, pipe is the highest that it's ever been. It's costly to build fence. It, it's not cheap. And it, it costs a lot to stretch a lot of fence. But here's the truth. Spiritually speaking, the same can be said for the corner post Christian that shows love. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you some tears. It's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you some sweat. It's going to cost you some sacrifice. It's going to cost you some heartache. It's going to cost you some trials. Just like that cow that wants to run through our fence and tear it all to shreds, we're going to have people that hit our hit our wire and hit our love and stretch our love. It's costly. But here's the truth. Love is the wire. If faith and hope are off, then love won't they won't stand. That's why that's the most important part. 
the faith and the hope, the faith in Jesus Christ. Because if we stretch our love to people, it's going to be betrayed. It's going to be let down. And if our love isn't connected to our faith and our hope in Jesus Christ, it will break. It'll break. The truth is this. I can't love others without Christ in my life. I just can't do it. I mean, there's some sorry people in this world. There's some, there's some people that just choose evil. There, there are some people that just want to hate my guts. And know what? I can't love them without Christ. It costs a lot. Even with Christ. You know what the other truth is? God understands how much it costs. <laughs> Think about this. John 3.16 For God so loved the what? He didn't say the church. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5.8 But God demonstrated His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You say, how can I relate to this God? How does this God relate to me? Guess what? He sent His only Son to die on a cross because of His love for us. God offered His love to us before we ever gave it to Him. Some of you guys are you're living in sin. You don't care about Jesus. You're only here because somebody invited you and you don't even want to be here. Listen, God loves you. You can hate His guts. You can flip him off. You can do all you want. You can show him you're, you're, you hate him, but he still loves you. You know why I know? Because he loves me. He paid the ultimate price by sending his only son to die on the cross. That's love. He loves the world and his enemies, not just the saved. That's love. What was his prayer when they were crucifying him on the cross? Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. That's love. So the greatest thing is love. I want to close by, by saying this. And I don't say this very often and I need to say it more. Thank you. Thank you, 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 thank you. Thank you to everyone who has shown someone love and shown them that there is a Jesus that loves them. You are the reason that this church is growing. It's not because of me. It's not because of anybody individually. It's because people are showing people love in spite of their failures. You say, why? Why are these people? I mean, I know this guy. I know, I know the preacher. I know this guy. Why are they involved in this church? You know why? Because we include everybody. And that's the reason why people are coming. We can build buildings, but they won't come. We can have good music, but they and they might come. We can have mediocre preaching, and they might come. But if we don't have love, we got nothing. We got nothing. And so thank you. 
for those, those of you that show love. Others of you, guess what? You want to be there. You have faith. You just need to stretch some wire. You just need to, to, to love others. You need to start with the relationships with this, in this church. You need to come to Wednesday night Bible study. You know why? Because it's a great time of fellowship. Not just Bible teaching. It's a great time to go, hey, your name is Alice. Nice to meet you, Alice. Let's stretch some wire together. Some of you guys need to do that. Some of you guys need to, your, your love is, you know, in the church, but you need to extend that love outside the church. Can I just ask you to commit your, to extend your love to others today? That's my, that's my challenge to you. Love is action. It's an action. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. Nobody's looking around. We don't ask uh, anybody to come to the front. We don't want to embarrass anybody. And, and there's nothing in the Bible that says that we have to, so we don't do it. But here's, here's what I want you to do. How many guys would, uh, nobody, again, no one's looking around, no one's going to point you out, but how many of you guys would say, you know what, Bo, I lack faith in God? How many of you guys would raise your hand and say, you know what, that's what I lack. I lack faith. How many of you guys would say, you know what, Bo, my faith is pretty good, but I'm missing hope in God. Anybody say that? I'm missing hope in God. Thank you. How many of you guys would say, you know what, Bo, I, you know, the faith and the hope, they're good. I mean, I, I read my Bible, and, you know, I know that God is going to do some things for me in the future, but I don't love like I should. Anybody raise your hand and say that? All over the room. Some of you guys need to just pray right where you're sitting. Just in your heart, you need to say, okay, God. What's missing in my life? Maybe your prayer needs to be, give me some faith. Increase my faith. Maybe your prayer needs to be, just, Father, give me hope. Show me what that looks like. Some of you, and most of you, and myself included, we need to say, God, give me love. Give me love. Not just for the church people, and, and maybe maybe that's where it needs to start, though. Is some of you guys need to start loving church people. But some of you guys need to extend your love outside the church and show the world some love. Some of you guys are here today, and, and, and you may have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You may have never said to the Lord, Lord, I give you all I got. I want to trust in you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to begin a, a relationship, a personal relationship with you. Guess what? You can do that today. 
You say, well, I don't have any hope. I don't have any love. I don't have nothing. I mean, I, I fail in all these areas all the time. Listen, it may be because you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, you can start that today. You say, well, how do I do that, Bo? How do I, how do I give my life to Christ? The Bible teaches us in Romans 10, 9, 10, which is a book in the Bible. It says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. You say, what's that mean? It's simple. If, if I will just pray to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I confess You as my Lord and Savior. I want You to come into my life and I want You to save me. And not only do we confess it, but we actually believe it in our heart. It's not about lip service. It's not about just a, a, a word of prayer. It's about truly meaning it, truly sincerely meaning it in our hearts and changing our lives to glorify Him. And again, nobody's looking around, but how many of you guys would say, you know what, Bo, that's me. I need to place my faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else be able to raise their hand and say, you know what, Bo, I need to place my faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. Thank you. Anybody else? Nobody's looking around, but those of you that raised your hand, listen. You are the, and I say this all the time, you are the reason we created this church. It's to reach people just like you. To show people just like you that there is a Lord that loves them. And so for those of you that just raised your hands, all we ask you to do, and listen, this isn't so that we can send you newsletters or anything else. We ask you to fill out that orange sheet at the guest table, place it in the offering bucket, and we will contact you. You say, well, I have more questions. Fill it out. We will call you, and we will answer your questions. You say, well, I just gave my heart to Christ. I, 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 want every, I want people to know. Fill the order sheet out and we will contact you. It's that simple. Allow us to show you love. And allow us to help you live this life. This quarter post Christian life. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for how it just feeds us. And Lord, I hope today that people walk out of this, this board today and that they would realize that, that they have to have these essentials in their life, faith, hope, and love. And that you would extend their faith, you would extend their hope, that you would extend their love. Not just for our sake, not just for, for, for our own ego, but for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, we thank you for those that have raised their hands admitting their weaknesses, and I pray that you would strengthen them. We thank you for those that raise their hands and say, you know what? I want, to, I want to accept Christ for the first time in my life. I want to give Him my heart so that I can have eternal life in heaven. Lord, we praise you for those. And we pray that you would give us the opportunity to help them grow. Lord, we thank you for today. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen.